Today is the second day of September, and welcome to the Coffee and Morning Prayers podcast. I invite you to pull up a chair, settle down with your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and join me in prayer. Now let us begin our day. Lord, open our lips, and your mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. The mercy of the Lord is everlasting. Come, let us adore him. Be joyful in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with a song. Know this, the Lord himself is God. He himself has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and call upon his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from age to age. Psalms for the second day morning prayer. Psalms 9, 10, and 11. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing to your name, O Most High. When my enemies are driven back, they will stumble and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sit upon your throne, judging right. You have rebuked the ungodly and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. As for the enemy, they are finished in perpetual ruin, their cities plowed under and the memory of them perished. But the Lord is enthroned forever. He has set up his throne for judgment. It is he who rules the world with righteousness. He judges the people with equity. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. Those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you never forsake those who seek you, O Lord. Sing praise to the Lord who dwell in Zion. Proclaim to the peoples the thing he has done. The avenger of blood will remember them. He will not forget the cry of the afflicted, Have pity on me, O Lord. See the misery I suffer from those who hate me, O you who lift me up from the gate of death, so that I may tell of all your praises and rejoice in your salvation the gates of the city of Zion. The ungodly have fallen into the pit they dug, and in the snare they set their own foot caught. The Lord is known by his acts of righteous and justice. The wicked are trapped in the works of their hands. The wicked shall be given over to the grave and also all the peoples that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Rise up, O Lord. Let not the ungodly have the upper hand. Let them be judged before you. Put fear upon them, O Lord. Let the ungodly know they are but mortal. 
Why do you stand so far off, O Lord, and hide yourself in time of trouble? The wicked arrogantly persecute the poor, but they are trapped in the schemes they have derised. The wicked boast of their heart's desire, the covetousness curse and revile the Lord. The wicked are so proud that they care not for God. Their only thought is, God does not matter. Their way are devious at times. Your judgments are far about. Those are out of sight. They defy all their enemies. They say in their heart, I shall not be shaken. No harm shall happen to me ever. Their mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and oppression. Under their tongue are mischief and wrong. They lurk in ambush in public squares, and in secret places they murder the innocent. They spy out the helpless. They lie in wait like the lion in a covert. They lie in wait to seize upon the lowly. They seize the lowly and drag them away in their net. The innocent are broken and humbled before them. The helpless fall before their power. They say in their heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never justice and notice. Rise up, O Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the afflicted. Why should the wicked revile God? Why should they say in their heart, you do not care? Surely you behold trouble and mercy. You see it and take it into your own hand. The helpless commit themselves to you, for you are the helper of orphans. Break the power of the wicked and evil. Search out their wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The ungodly shall perish from his land. The Lord will hear the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart and your ears shall hear to give justice to the orphan oppressed so that mere mortals may strike terror no more. In the Lord have I taken refuge. How then can you say to me, fly away like a bird to the hilltop? For see how the wicked bend the bow and fit their arrows to the string to shoot from ambush the true of heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold the inhabited world. His piercing eyes weighs our worth. The Lord weighs the righteous as well as the wicked, but those who delight in violence he abhors. Upon the wicked he shall rain coal of fire and burning sulfur. A scorching wind shall be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He delights in righteous deeds, and the just shall see his face. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, beginning at the 13th verse. 
Paul and his companions set sail for Patmos and came to Pergia and to Pamphylia. John, however, left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on to Pergia and came to Antioch of Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading the law and the prophets, the officials of the synagogue sent them a message saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, give it. So Paul stood up and with a gesture began to speak. You Israelites and others who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our ancestors and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with a lifted arm, he led them out of it. For about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. After he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance for about 450 years. After that, he gave them judges until the time of the prophet Samuel. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. When he had removed him, he made David their king. In his testimony about him, he said, I have found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my heart, who will carry out all my wishes. Of this man's posterity, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had already proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his work, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but one is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of the sandals of his feet. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high, shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 9, beginning at the 18th verse. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, 
We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, he answered. I do not know whether or not he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, I now see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and on the speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for the judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. Glory to you, Lord God of our fathers. You are worthy of praise. Glory to you. Glory to you for the radiance of your holy name. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you in the splendor of your temple, on the throne of your majesty, glory to you. Glory to you seated between the cherubim. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you beholding the depths in the high vault of heaven, glory to you. Glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Today is the Friday following Proper 17. Our reading is from the Forgotten Desert Mothers by Laura Swan. Our reader is Betsy Foran Owens. Today, we learn from Amma Sarah. Amma Sarah was a native of Upper Egypt. Born into a wealthy Christian family, Sarah was well-educated and a voracious reader. 
Moving to the vicinity of a women's monastery in the desert of Pelelusium, Sarah lived alone for many years near the river in a cell with a terraced roof. She attended to the needs of the nearby community. Eventually, Amasara received the monastic garb and lived in a closer relationship with the community, serving as a spiritual elder. She continued to follow the ascetic life by living alone in a cave by the river for seven years. She died around her 80th year. Amasara was deeply concerned that her heart never be divided in her pursuit of God. Much of her desert struggle was centered on calming inner distractions and cultivating those that brought her close to God. Lust and fornication were not so much about bodily passions, but rather anything or anyone that kept her heart distracted from God. The movement toward a deeper and more profound awareness of God is a spiraling movement toward simplicity that occurs when we voluntarily let go of all our attachments that keep us from moving deeper within. This is not a rejection of the created world, all of which is God's delightful gift to us, but rather is the rejection of our tendencies to grasp aspects of creation in a way that diminishes our unity with God. Amasara's goal was purity of heart. As one grows and deepens in purity of heart, one deepens in pure love for Christ. Sarah lived with a deep sense of awe for God. She sought neither special treatment nor recognition for herself. Amasara models for us the gift of tenacity and focus on the final goal of life, oneness with God. Sarah sought to eliminate distractions that she experienced as stumbling blocks to total union. This is never an easy journey. And Sarah's response was to pray for strength to endure and move into freedom. She avoided neither the challenges nor the pain. She stayed with her struggles until there was resolution. Amasara calls her followers to growth and self-awareness. Self-awareness is not selfishness, but self-connectedness. It is a deep and intense listening to our inner being, learning to be conscious and alert to what our inner world is trying to say to us. With self-awareness and self-knowledge, we understand our reactions toward others, issues that complicate our lives, blind spots that we can fall into, as well as our particular strengths and gifts. As we grow in self-awareness, we grow in God-awareness. Amasara, in the desert tradition, understood that God has chosen humanity, along with all creation, as the vehicle of divine revelation. It was related of Amasara that for 13 years she waged warfare against the demon of fornication. She never prayed that the warfare should cease, but she said, Oh God, give me strength. Although Sarah may have been a deeply passionate woman, 
keenly aware of her sexuality. Fornication principally meant anything that possessed her heart and separated her from God. A part of our being belongs only to God and can only be satisfied by God. Replacing God with anyone or anything is idolatry. Sarah, in her awareness of her own weakness and of God as the source of her strength, challenges us not to run, but to stand firm in our persistent struggle with personal problems and with all that keeps us from God. Once the same spirit of fornication attacked her more insistently, reminding her of the vanities of the world, but she gave herself up to the fear of God and to asceticism and went up onto her little terrace to pray. Then the spirit of fornication appeared bodily to her and said, Sarah, you have overcome me. But she said, it is not I who have overcome you, but my master Christ. Ama Sarah knew that we were always open to temptation, no matter how long we have been intent on our inner journey. She knew the source of her strength in a very earthy and incarnational way. She did not overcome the spirit of fornication on her own strength, but relaxed into God, trusting God to complete her journey into wholeness. Amasara encourages us to cooperate with God's work and not rely solely on our efforts. It was said concerning her that for 60 years, she lived beside a river and never lifted her eyes to look at it. Amasara was not easily distracted. She allowed her surroundings to support her without any need to possess them. She so intensely focused on cultivating total union with God that it seems she was unaware of her surroundings. Today we might better appreciate gazing lovingly and reflectively on that river in order to move into union with God. Another time, two old men, great anchorites, came to the district of Pelusia to visit her. When they arrived, one said to the other, let us humiliate this old woman. So they said to her, be careful not to become conceited, thinking to yourself, look how anchorites are coming to see me, a mere woman. But Amasara said to them, according to nature, I am a woman, but not according to my thoughts. To be a woman was to be fleshy, sinful, sensuous, passionate, and bodily. Qualities Sarah's culture sought to avoid. To be a man was to be rational, godlike, angelic, otherworldly. Qualities valued in her culture. To be manly, not necessarily a male, was to live beyond the passions. To know them, to be aware of them, yet not let them rule. Several of our spiritual foremothers were referred to by their contemporaries as this female man of God, and they deemed it a compliment. Ama Sarah was aware of the depth of her spirituality. She did not need the approval of anyone for whom she was or for the inner journey she had undertaken. 
not willing to be diminished by foolish and arrogant men, she gifted them with an appropriate reply. Amasara said, If I prayed God that all people should approve of my conduct, I should find myself a penitent at the door of each one. But I shall rather pray that my heart be pure toward all. Amasara did not seek the approval of others. Likewise, she remained non-judgmental in her attitude towards others and their own journeys toward God. As in any other time in church history, there were strong personalities in Sarah's day, but she did not follow fads. She sought to remain true to her own simple path toward God. Here ends the reflections for today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Save your people, O Lord, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them now and always. Day by day we bless you. We praise your name forever. Lord, keep us from all sin today. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. Lord, show us your love and mercy, for we put our trust in you. In you, Lord, is our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went up not to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified. Mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills, that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated unto you. And then use us, we pray you, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people. 
through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth your hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Accept, O Lord, our thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the splendor of the whole creation, for the beauty of this world, for the wonder of life, and for the mystery of love. We thank you for the blessing of family and friends and for the loving care which surrounds us on every side. We thank you for setting us at tasks which demand our best efforts and for leading us to accomplishments which satisfy and delight us. We thank you also for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on you alone. Above all, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the truth of his word and for the example of his life, for his steadfast obedience by which he overcame temptation, for his dying through which he overcame death and for his rising to life again, in which we are raised to the life of your eternal kingdom. Grant us the gift of your Spirit, that we may know Christ and make him known, and through him, at all times and in all places, may give thanks to you in all things. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>